You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. They are the great tasting protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. So we have a lot of things to talk about on the show today, but let's lead off with this. So again, I'm recording these on Friday, so I'm doing all of them tonight and then posting them for next week because I won't have uh, basically any internet where I'm with my in-laws. But I think this is important, so let's point this out. These are the MLP, MLB teams who have not committed to playing their minor league player stipends past June 30th. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, the Cleveland Indians, the Colorado Rockies, Los Angeles Angels, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Yankees, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. What stands out to me on this list is Detroit, who sat out undrafted free agency, is not here. They're actually going to pay their minor leaguers, so do you really want to look worse than a team that uh, chose to not take advantage of having a competitive advantage with uh, the undrafted free agent situation? Do you really want to be looped in with the Los Angeles Angels, who have probably been uh, right up there with... I mean, Oakland's not on this list anymore. They wised up after they were going to stop in May and said, no, we're going to go even further. You don't want to be on the list. You don't want to be one of those teams. I hope the Indians wise up and wise up quickly. So we spent some of yesterday's show talking about the taxi squad and talking about how we have uh, some Lindor trade ideas to discuss. But I think we have to talk about the news of the day. And if you're like, what was the news of the day on Friday? The news of the day on Friday was the Indians had announced three of their six signings of their drafted free agents to go with the four undrafted free agents they had signed. So a total of 10 players, this now gives them seven players who report nowhere. (laughs) I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, There is some things to be taken from this, so let's just dive into the names and numbers with uh, these signings, because I think it's really interesting to, in years past, we've seen the Indians offer just slot. They did not offer slot this year, and that, that shows me something, so, and I don't think it's just to save a few bucks, I don't think it's that. So the Indians' total pool this year, if I did my calculations right, was $7,330,800. That means that they could go over without losing a pick, $366,539.99. So that gives you a total max spending without losing a draft pick, but also paying that 5% fee, which they have done every single year since we have started the pool system. Um, And they were huge spenders in 2011, the first year, or I should say the last year, without a pool system. They really tried to take advantage of that 2011 season. Uh, It's a shame that they finally convinced ownership to invest right as it was ending. It's it's the same thing. If you don't recall, um, you go back to the uh, Lonnie Chisenhall draft, which was 2007, and that was... Yes. No, he was taken in 2008. It was after the 2007 season. I always get that wrong. But... They signed this whole group of players only because they traded away Paul Bird and moved all of his salary. They got nothing for Paul Bird, but then shifted all that salary to the draft because uh, they could still sign guys at that point in time, even past the deadline. You know, I think it was like, I mean, there was points in time where you could sign a player that you drafted all the way up until the day of the draft. I mean, draft and follows and things like that. You could draft draft a kid, let him go play junior college, and then decide that you're going to sign him like a day before the draft. It was a really broken, interesting system, though. Uh, but in this case, 
they did that. And the, the most successful guy of that group was TJ House. Uh, Bryce Stoll comes to mind. I'd have to really look at the class, but those those are the two names that come to mind that were kind of of that grouping of the uh, the bird money guys. But the Indians, traditionally, this is not an area where they, they are cheap. They go over cap every year. They go over that uh, pool. So this year, the max they could go with pool and everything and not forfeit a draft pick was $7,697,339.99. This point in time, we have Carson Tucker, the 23rd overall pick, Logan Allen, the 56th overall pick, and Mason Hickman, the 154th overall pick. What is interesting is we knew Tucker was going to be under slot, and he was significantly under slot, so we'll get to that in a second. So it makes sense that he is signed. Everyone knew what the number was going to be, and that's why the Indians jumped. Uh, Hickman didn't have a ton of leverage. Logan Allen came in a little cheaper than I expected, but this is where it breaks up because now the three players who are going to be the hardest signs in this class, in all honesty, you have the SEC uh, high performer and Tanner Burns, who also had some injury and some other issues, but was a good value. Does he only get slot? And, you know, we'll, we'll dig. So let's start with Carson Tucker at 23rd overall. Maybe not my favorite pick. Um, I did have Logan Allen rated higher, but they got him in the second round, so whatever. Uh, But I I understood why they made the Tucker pick. They have had success with this type of player. They do really well in development with this type of player. Uh, So getting him there for $2 million means they save almost a million dollars in slot, $930,000. That's significant. That is big savings that they can push on for the rest of the draft. Tanner Burns slot, we don't know yet, but it's uh, $2,050,000. Essentially, two million fifty thousand. Yeah, uh, Logan Allen signed for a hundred or one million two hundred fifty thousand. Why I point out that this is interesting is more often than not the Indians would just offer slot. They wouldn't be like trying to save thirty thousand there. And Mason Hickman, who they took one hundred fifty fourth overall, his slot was three hundred forty three thousand four hundred dollars, and he signed for three hundred forty, so saved three thousand four hundred dollars. Why are they being? you know, saving all their pennies. I don't think it's cheapness. It is interesting that through those two deals there, the second two, they saved $33,400, which combined with their previous signing takes them up to 963 or yes, $963,400 in savings that they can then apply because Petey Halpin's probably going to cost seven figures and his slot was uh, 610800 So that's where part of it's going to go. There's the chance Tanner Burns could be over, and uh, Milano Tolentino could also be over. So that is where this kind of comes in. Now, if you're wondering how much can they spend uh, after all of this, to go back and sum it up, if they go just slot, they have left to spend $3,740,800. If they go to their max spending, that is $4,107,339.99. So that is where they are. If if Burns gets slot, which is possible, um, they could maybe just go slot the rest of the, or um, stick to the slot spending on this one. That is possible. There is a chance that Burns could cost something like 200, uh, you know, 2.5. And if he costs 2.5, uh, then you're left with about 1.2 left to standard slot. It, it, there's no way you're getting that without going over. If you cost 2.5, you know, that's 1.6 left. And then your basic hope is that Tolentino is going to sign for about 6 and that Halpin's going to sign for about 1. So that's kind of the hope and the thought process. 
Halpin supposedly had about a second round number, so you're looking probably in the same range as Logan Allen. Maybe get lucky with Burns, uh, and he's only like uh, two and a quarter instead of two and a half, and that allows you to, to roll a little bit more into Tolatino. But it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going to have to go up to that max. I can't see slot being enough to get it done. It was odd. I think most of us expected uh, them to sign everyone at once. That's typically what they do, but they did not do it this time. So we still have to wait on kind of the three guys that were always the ones that were kind of the most nerve-wracking. Everyone's going to sign, but it is interesting that kind of the the three higher-pressure ones aren't signed yet. Built Bar. Uh, I am loving that lemon meringue. I can't recommend that enough. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with some of these new flavors that are coming. I think today, today, well, by the time you get this podcast, they're 50% off the old, be gone. So you want to go back and use the Locked On deal. Take that 10% off and give it a try. They are fantastic tasting bars. I, the thing I always talk about with them, it's just this nice moist bar, which for me, who cannot take gluten, is something I didn't expect to be able to find anymore. I love Built Bar. All the other hosts love Built Bar. We have love fests in the private little uh, DM conversation area where we talk about baseball and the like. Built Bar. Uh, Everybody loves it. It's a great product. Go check it out for yourself. You're going to go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 10% off. It also lets them know that we sent you, and that helps us out immensely with the show. Our other sponsor today, and they're only other because we have two fantastic sponsors. They are not lesser in any way as rockauto.com. Now, while they do not give you delicious tasting food, they save you delicious money so you can buy delicious tasting food. I don't know if money is really delicious. That's probably a bad uh, bad usage of word there. But let's get back to rockauto.com, our fantastic sponsor. Very easy to navigate site. Fantastic deals. Go find your car. I've done it for fun where you just look up and see, oh, what do these pieces cost? Uh, what am I like? I My car didn't come with floor mats. So I remember the first thing I did in rockauto.com was I went and I looked up floor mats for the Ford that I drive. So go there. It's a fantastic site. Anytime you need a part for your car, check out rockauto.com. It's going to give you, worst case, a competitive price, often the best price you're going to find out there. And when you go to rockauto.com and you make that order, make sure you tell them in the little box who sent you. It was locked on. Okay, so probably the way this works, um, just in life in general, is since I recorded this podcast, at some point in the middle of it, uh, the rest of these signings are are very likely to break. I should uh, just open, if you hear a click right now, I'm using my second computer. I'm going to open Jim Callis on Twitter, so just so I can see when the inevitable update comes on these signings. Uh, I'm not going to read Callis' tweet. I'm not going to steal from him when he gave his scouting reports. All I can say is I agree. You know, it's... What the Indians have added today is no one who makes their top 10 prospects. Now, that is not, it, it's loaded to state it that way. Uh, and that's why I'm kind of laughing, as you can tell as I, I said it. I mean, these are guys who are going to be probably more in the 11 to 15 or even later range, but they're very good prospects in a very deep system. I love Logan Allen. I have stated that. He was the highest rated player the Indians drafted in this class for me. He might sneak into the top 10. It's kind of that debate, and I still have that debate. Him and Tanner Burns were very close on my board. I think Allen was just safer where Burns is more upside. And when it comes to the draft, I'm I'm very about safety. Same thing with prospects. I'm always, I look for certain thresholds and Burns met all of those. It's just the worry about the concern and the wear down. That's the only reason or Burns would have been higher. And they're both uh, in their ideal pitchers for the Indian system in particular. What you're looking at with the guys they signed today though, it's like Allen, they even, I think Scott Barnes be talked about like, this is a, a a ridiculous athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete. 
does a lot of things super well. And now that he's just going to focus on pitching, uh, there's the hope there'll be more. I don't think anyone really expects more velocity, but he's got good spin data. He's got advanced secondary pitches. He's going to be a good one. And this is an Indian system that has lacked left-handed pitching for the longest time. You know, they went out and they traded for the other Logan Allen last year. But let's pause for a second and think, and I'm going to go look up the last three left-handed pitchers the Cleveland Indians had that made more than 40 appearances or more than 10 starts in one year for the Cleveland Indians that were draft and developed. Why did you guys make me do that? Oh, that was ugly. Going through all the lefties to finally get to a name for a player who had uh, appeared as a left-handed pitcher in at least 30 games as a reliever or 10 starts. I had to go back to 2013. Josh Outmans, Boone Logans, Scrabble, um, all those names. Clay Rapata. I mean, I could keep going. It was ridiculous. There were so many lefties that we just tried because we couldn't develop them ourselves. I'm falling into the we. Oh, I hate that. When the Indians could not develop them. So the last three, you ready for these? This is a, a banner group. I'm going to tell you. Kyle Crockett. 2014, he appeared in uh, 43 games for the Indians, and then 2015, he appeared in 31 games. 29 in 2016, uh, did not pitch in the majors in 2019. Just kind of came undone. Another Virginia pitcher where it just didn't work out. But man, was he! I didn't realize how good he was in 2014. I think I just forgotten about it. But he was excellent. Like he looked like a, a closer in the making. He was the 2014 version of James Karinchak. Um and then his command went away, but with the Reds in 2018, it was the command was there, but he was just hit very easily, and his stuff got more and more hittable. And he was always able to miss a decent amount of bats, but it just he didn't fool anyone. So that was the first name that popped up. Second one, uh, this was not planned. It was T.J. House, who I mentioned at the top of the show when we were talking about the uh, the draft picks and the signing. I want to say he was like a Tulane commit at the time when the Indians took him the 16th round out of. Uh, Pequana High School in Mississippi and you know Tulane is a good program a solid baseball program so it was thought he was going to be a hard sign I can't remember how much the Indians gave him they gave him enough to get him to sign and 2014 something 2014 was magical I guess that was also his year he had 18 starts that year appeared in 19 games over 100 innings and he was awesome uh like I said, it was just something in the water. Seven strikeouts per nine, a walk rate under two, a home rate under home run rate under one. But he was very hittable. And the strikeout rates sunk down a bit and the walk rates exploded. And that basically became his what did him in. In the minors, the walk rates were always pretty solid leading up to then, but they were never a 1.9 good. That was better than any season he'd had in the minors up to that. He was always more closer to three or four. And the stuff just wasn't good enough to go with that. It was a magical season there. I mean, I thought he was part of, going to be part of the Indians' future. I penciled him as an, in as a starter, and the next year he had four starts, 13 innings. 2016, he got 2.2 innings and then appeared for Toronto for two innings in 2017. 2019, he was pitching for an independent baseball team about 30 minutes from where I teach. So that's where it went for TJ House. And the third member of this group, where I went back to 2013 to find David Huff. That's right, former first-round pick. He of the 120 games in the majors, 57 starts, and a negative two war. His 2014 season was not in Cleveland, so we can't compare that. And honestly, he wasn't good like at any point in time. His debut, 23 starts, only 128 innings. 
Walk rate was 2.9, a strikeout rate of 4.6, hit rate of 11.2. It's it's the best season was his last, second to last, because he, he was there in 2013, but 2012 and 26 innings, four starts. Uh, the walk rate got under two, strikeout rate at six, home run rate. It was the thing, his home run rate was over one for his career. His hit rate was high. Uh, he wasn't missing bats. He wasn't fooling anyone. And when he got hit, he got hit hard. Now, I was huge on David Huff. Uh, I'm not gonna not gonna backtrack. Not gonna lie. Um, at the time, I was not the biggest fan of the pick. But you know, you go back to 2000 uh, when the Indians drafted him. They took him 39th overall in 2006. I was barely paying attention to drafts. I just remember he was not on the list of names that I considered at that point in time. So I didn't love him then, but, uh, you know, he'd been drafted in 2003 and 2005 and then in 2006 uh, because, yeah, he was at a junior college before his one year at UCLA and coming up through the minors, trying to find, maybe this was just, you know, before I understood how baseball worked. I, I compared him to the first version of Cliff Lee, like the good but not great one. Uh, nowadays, I wouldn't be as taken in by him. That's just one of those things. Like, he debuted in 2009. 2008, I mean, it, it's strikeout rate of nearly 9, a walk rate of under 2, low hit rate. Home run rate was starting to sneak up. Uh, you know, I was probably still looking at things like ERA then. I was not into, I would not have been looking at strikeouts or walks per 9 in, like, 2008, 2009. So this isn't a... A huge surprise, but you could look at these numbers, and and there were reasons you could have excitement, but there were reasons to expect failure. And on the whole, all three of those guys had some moments, but they were failures, and that is why the Indians um, need to add some lefties, need to have some success with them. Let's see if they can draft and develop. You know, even some of the big name prospects who they didn't draft and develop, like Nick Hagedon, who was the centerpiece in, in the Masterson deal, that didn't work out. And there are other players along those lines as well, who it just didn't come together for them. So we're going to stop here. I'm going to talk about Mason Hickman on tomorrow's show. We'll do a little bit more on Carson Tucker. No news has broken as I'm sitting here, uh, but so I expect it to occur during one of these other podcasts. We're going to keep going, keep digging into things. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been fantastic as always. And remember, go Tribe.